1: We look at Alec Hansen. I had him on the AmpCon stage, chief marketing officer of Loan Depot. On stage, I'm like, you know, so Alec and I, I mean, you know, great to see you again. And, and I'm just introducing him. And he's like, again, dude, this is our first time meeting. I'm like, what? And I'm having this like real moment. It's on video. I'm like, guys, this is the power of a leadership brand. I swear I have met Alec 10 times. And I think you bring up a really good point that most of us would never want to admit that because it feels offensive, but it is such a compliment that I didn't have any gap I felt like I knew who he was
0: today is a special edition episode of the housing news podcast let's call it a breaking news episode I have the pleasure of welcoming a new speaker a new keynote to the housing wire annual lineup This speaker is a renowned authority on leadership and influence. He's a best-selling author, keynote speaker, leadership advisor, and for 27 years, he's been applying behavioral neuroscience to solving some of the toughest challenges in leadership sales, and change. Now, some of you may have an idea of who this guest is. I teased it a little bit on social media. In that description, really there's nobody else like him. So if you haven't figured it out yet, our guest, one of our keynotes for Housing Wire Annual is Renee Rodriguez. Renee is a phenomenal speaker, coach, and friend, and I can't wait to bring him to the stage at Housing Wire Annual October 10th through 12th at the Hyatt Lost Pines Resort near Austin, Texas. In this episode today, I have the opportunity to speak with Renee to make sure we are in tune and ready for Housing Wire Annual, which is coming up in just a few weeks. We talk about some of the the topics and advice that Renee is going to bring to the stage at the event, and there's even some coaching in there that Renee has for me, your fearless host of the Housing News Podcast. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Renee Rodriguez, and immediately go to housingwireannual.com and register for the event. We can't wait to welcome you to our home state of Texas and bring amazing speakers and leaders like Renee to the stage and to the networking community, so you can meet and learn and engage. Sign up for HousingWire Annual and enjoy this episode. Renee, I had a whole agenda for today, but we're starting off backstage in our virtual green room here. And you tell me, I'm I'm doing it all wrong. There's a better way to turn news okay. into I did not into say league. that you're being <laughs> okay. nice. I did not so say Renee, it that much, way. Much- Let's kick off. So we published an article this week, home prices back near all-time highs. And the subhead here is the S&P CoreLogic Case Shiller Home Price Index. That is a long index name. Showed price increases in June. So we had this point last summer, summer 2022, home prices were reaching all-time highs. We had like some declines of home prices from the index perspective throughout the year as rates shot up. But now here we are, August 2023, home prices back near all-time highs. How do I message this to consumers if I'm a loan originator or a realtor? What, what do they need to know? So first, my
1: disclaimer is I'm not an expert. I'm not, I'm not licensed. I'm not a real estate agent. I've just been in your industry for 21 years, and I'm surrounded by people that are smart like you. I'm surrounded by you know the Steve Harneys and the Bill Harneys and um, all the, the Dave Savages, all the really, really, really smart people. And my role of this is saying, okay, I look at this, I step away, and I look at what's the emotional impact, the psychological impact of a headline on consumer buying behavior. That's where I am an expert in. And I go, okay, so you said that uh, interest rates are at an all-time high, clearly we can predict that that raises people's stress level and it slows down. Not
0: not just interest rates at all-time highs. We also have home prices back at all-time highs. So like both of the levers.
1: Yeah, so both of them all-time high, right, okay. So then now all of a sudden that scares everything everybody out of acting. Now, let me ask you this question. So I got to ask a few questions because I'm not the expert. What What happened to home prices when we were at the lows two years ago, three years ago?
0: Home price appreciation shot through nope. the roof and demand was crazy. Homes were selling for over ask and multiple offer scenarios.
1: So, here we have a scenario. This is, and this is your job, by the way, folks. I'm just helping you re see this. And you have to turn this. And I know if you're listening to this, you know this, but are you communicating it in a consumer friendly way? So, you're saying that I could get a really super low interest rate on an overpriced home. I think that was the gist. I think people were feeling that way too in parts of 2021. And that's the scary part, right? So, and this is messaging and saying, okay, would you rather get a low interest rate on an overpriced home? Right. And once, and by the way, the, the interest rate can change. Or do you want to get into a home before it appreciates and as it appreciates? So now this is a question I have for you. You said it's a, the home prices are at an all-time high. So this is where I got to ask. Do you think they're going to go up?
0: I believe that demographics and demand will continue pushing home prices higher. And from some data and survey work we've seen from our friends at KCM, it feels like the average housing professional in American feels the same way.
1: I look at the, the optimist and the, I got the research right in front of me. So we're, we're on the same page. and. By the way, wouldn't every year be also on all time high on home values?
0: Historically, a very high percentage of years have proven to be all time highs.
1: Yeah, so that's just a really good headline, right? It Gets me to read it. But it's but if if I look at that, if I'm, <clears throat> this is where you have to help. Not not talking about you, Clayton, but this is. And by the way, this is why I love you because you're looking even at your own process, and I can I can speak freely. The the loan officer, the loan originator, and the real estate agent have to decipher headlines. For people they say well but home prices are all-time high i said well look over the last 40 years almost not all almost every year was an all-time high the consistent thing is that that's why home price home values are so good now it makes for a great headline but guess what next year they're going to be higher and so wouldn't next year be an all-time high and then the next year after that an all-time high and next year after that so what you're really thinking about is are you worried about a bubble well everything in the research says that we're not even anywhere near something like that but the news media loves it it loves it it gets eyeballs now let's back up for a minute. So here's what people need to really do is you, you've you got to learn to separate two parts of the transaction that, that your consumers have put together as one. One being a good time to buy and to get into real estate. The second one is a good time to finance real estate. And so those are two separate pieces driven by two separate, very different data and different um, levers. Would you agree with that?
0: 100% and a good time to finance in any type of market, whether you're buying businesses or real estate or any other asset, they rarely align. Rarely.
1: Exactly. And <clears throat> that point right there is, is huge. So now imagine the consumer is going, hold on a second. Interest rates are high. Home values are high. I better not I better just wait. So that is called a timing and an urgency issue. The consumer might like you, they they see the value of it, but they they think that now is not the right time to buy. And you have to be able to overcome that specific objection. And so for me, if I saw an article like that, and this is what I hope you guys get out of this, somebody says, Hey, I got great news. Interest rates and home prices are at an all time high. And this is amazing news for us. And now that, that creates a frame for people to go, one, it, it kind of disrupts a little bit. Like, what do you mean? How is that amazing? And then we go back. So we'll take a look at last year or the year before. We had low, low interest rates, but you had 20 offers on a home. And some people would say that might have been an inflated value on a home. So yeah, you got a low interest rate on a home that was overpriced for the time. Now, what happens? Interest rates go higher. Demand has slowed. So that the home that you want is probably available if it's for sale. And if you put an offer on it, you'll probably get it at a fair market value. If we already know that next year it's going to be more and more and more. So you're buying real estate at a great time. But then you're going to say, okay, hold on, interest rates. Here's the thing. You have to separate that out. Being worried about today's interest rate, it's like, be, it's like and not buying real estate, it's like saying, well, I, I want to buy Tesla and Apple, but I didn't get it when it was a dollar. So I'm going to wait till it comes back to a dollar. Ain't happening. It's not happening and it would just be stupid nothing indicates that it's just not going to happen it's not the trajectory of 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 the price and what's happening it's the history of it shows it happened and so there are people making millions if not billions buying those stocks and they didn't buy them at a dollar they're buying them now because they're looking at the difference between what it is and where it's going and you have to look at it the same way but here's the best news if i'm a loan officer i'm saying i you have an entire industry me that gets paid to tell you the moment the interest rates come down and we can refinance it. Get in at a great price of the home, take the interest rate at where it's at, and when it comes down, we get you there. Now, here's one of two things are gonna happen. You get in, which I think would be the best case scenario. Best case scenario is, or actually worst case scenario. You get in and the interest rates go up, right? Interest rates go up. But worst case scenario is you're going to say, thank you, Renee, for getting me in when it was low, because it's a lot lower in comparison. Best case scenario would be we get in, you lock in your rate, and interest rates go down. Now, that's counterintuitive, because you'd say, well, well I should have waited. No, 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 no. We wait. When interest rates come down far enough, we refinance you, and you got the home at the right price and at the lowest rate. You've won on both fronts. So this this is the conversation conversation that needs to happen. And it's not a script, it's a conversation, but, but there's scripting elements of things that I said there that should be done because you're understanding the psychology of the buying behavior. You're separating out two different pieces, which makes it easier to deal with meaning buying versus financing. And you're showing the data and you're reframing the the, sort of the, the potential negative interpretation and emotional interpretation of what a headline could cause.
0: This is a perfect frame to go into the conversation that we want to have today about you, about Amplify, about the two big events that you and I are bringing to the market in October. But I want to start with Amplify. And much like people might look at this market right now and say it's not the right time to to buy a house because prices are high. You made a contrarian decision in 2020 and pivoted your entire entrepreneurial career and went in a different direction with Amplify. Tell us about that pivot point for you in the business that, that you've built at a incredible pace in the last three years that um, you know, was building on years of experience and expertise, but found its launch point at a very difficult time in the global economy.
1: Thank you, first and foremost. The, here's, these, these are fundamental beliefs that I've had for a long time. One, it's not my first big crisis our, the birth of my work came out of nine eleven. I took over a business that was doing fifty five workshops a month, and uh, all over the world we had thirty seven consultants teaching this stuff. We were on top. I would send out proposals; they'd come back and sign it a half a million bucks, and we get a million dollar. It was just a, it was a daily thing. It was we were doing great, and we lost the entire business a week after nine eleven. That forced me to, to rethink everything, and look at how. I behave within crisis. And the one of the core beliefs that I have was that creativity and innovation come from constraint. My mother told me a lesson a long time ago when I was a kid. I was bored. And I said I was, I was. told her I was bored. And she said, okay, well, why don't you go get creative, grab your crayons and, and draw for a little bit, paint a picture, and uh, give me 10 minutes, I'll be over there. So I went and got the 64 pack of crayons. Remember those? It was like you'd open it up God. and it's like, all oh, those colors were there and the sharpener in the back.
0: Multiple lov- levels, like, yeah. You know, like like it was stadium, stadium like, seating, seating right? Yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just—it was just the coolest thing ever. I don't think kids will ever understand just opening up and seeing colors and that just being the coolest thing. And and she said, "Nope, you can't use the whole box. You can only choose two colors." And I'm like, "You said be creative." She said, "Yeah." I said creativity. She said, "Renee, understand this: creativity isn't about using every color in the spectrum. Creativity is about having only two colors and working wonders with those colors." Now, at the time, I was just frustrated. But when I got older, that that, just that little voice said, okay, we're entering a time of constraint. I can't travel. There's no in-person events. And then the first thing that went through my mind was everyone's scared. Okay. So this is even, we're all scared. So if we're all scared, it's the person that deals with the fear the best is going to win. And this doesn't scare me. Like it doesn't scare me. I've been through so much shit in my life. Excuse my language. This is just information to me. It's just information. And if I know that everybody else is going to stop, I always imagine myself, i I'm in a race and everybody's doing great. It's hard to win a race where everyone's doing well. But if I'm in a race and people stop because they're distracted by something, I'm going to keep running as fast as I can and go, hey, pay attention to whatever it is you want to. My eye's on the ball. And we just got really focused on studios and cameras and lighting and location and microphones and creating an experience the way you do in a movie. I mean, you see like the fake background, background, even just little advancements like this. And let's go to New York. Okay. Now I got New York behind me, right? Oh, I don't like that. Let's put some flames behind me. You know, just things that could do that. Or, you know, let's, let's even, let's, let's do something and and, uh, make some money together, right? All these things are, are ways that we can pick and keep this, this little screen up to life. So that, became something that was really, really cool. And I remember you, me, and even Steve Harney would would collaborate on a lot of different things. And the whole goal of what we were doing was saying, we need to be lighthouses right now. Everyone else is scared. They're stuck in a storm and they don't know where to go. And I remember Steve and I would literally talk every every day almost to be like, what are you posting today? What's going on? And he would post something I'd share it. I'd post something he'd share it. And it was just like this push, this push. And we watched so many leaders just back away, and it was like, man, this is the time we need to come forward and and triple down on everything we've got. Because I mean, if you talk about being perseverant, and then the little difficulty comes into play, and you you hide in your hot tub, no, this is the time that we, yeah,
0: hide in your hot tub. That's a, that's a good visual. <laughs> I mean, I
1: literally got texts from people and you know, CEOs in their hot tubs, and leaders and broker owners in their hot tubs going, "Hey, why are you working? You're supposed to be uh, locked up and." It's like, dude, not not all of us can just stop working. And whether or not I had money was irrelevant. It was the fact that I know that most of the world needed to keep moving somehow. And I look at that and saying, okay, if no one's, if no one, what are those separator moments, right? And it's hard because you have to be able to be very present and then disassociate from the moment and emotion and look about what's going on and say, ah, is this one of those moments we read about that people were really cool and they did different things? Well, maybe I'm in one right now. So what do I wanna say I did during that moment? Joe Rogan has a really cool thing. He said, if you were the actor and the main actor in your own movie, main character, what would you, and it was a hero movie that did some crazy good good stuff. What would you say this actor did? And I'm like, oh man, that's really cool. Well, they pushed harder and they persevered. They were the leader and I'm like, okay, then let's just be that. Okay, 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 hold on. So then now really what we're saying is the now is the, currently today is the past of my future. So I could write my past as I want it right here and now if I'm really present. Well, in t- in, a, in a year, I want to say that I was a leader. I was a lighthouse. I did these things. And look at where we are now. Honestly, all that mentality, that's the mindset you have during the most difficult times. And then at the end, it's over. And there's people are surprised that you're way ahead. It's not an accident.
0: And you activated... That mindset, not just in building out an uh, an awesome AV studio at home, but very short after getting on the road and hosting, I don't know, how many how many amplifies have you hosted at this point, Renee?
1: Well, we do about thirty four a year, right now.
0: Thir- thirty four mm-hmm. a year. So I mean, you're you're hitting the road more more than every other week. Oh, well, that's is, just incredible. I think last year I
1: spoke two hundred
0: and thirty nine days. <laughs> And here we are on a Saturday morning recording because I couldn't find a weekday where you weren't on the road talking on stage. So I don't, I don't is, hate that. I envy great. that.
1: I like it. This is actually really nice because people say like, what are the separated moments? I go, um, stupid holidays are separated moments. You know, like people are going to use the whole weekend. I'm like, man, no one's going to call. I get to like focus on creating Amcon. I get to create some videos. I get to hang with the family and I get to write some stuff. I mean, like, it's like, it's just like, it's really nice separated moments i get to hang with so 239
0: playton. speaking days uh 34 amp cons, amplifies,
1: amplifies, amplifies
0: yeah, yeah sorry am- amplifies uh wrote a book amplify your influence pretty pretty incredible all of these things came from harnessing your mindset so let's talk about how housing professionals, let's screw the word housing professionals, CEOs of mortgage banks and CEOs of mortgage real estate brokerages need to harness their mindset in the crisis that we're in today. 2023 has been another brutal market. Yeah, It's kind of, look back on 2020, it turns out it was a false flag. It was actually a pretty good market. But um, let's talk about 2023. It's been brutal. Mindset has been a front and center term. It's something that I hear everybody in the industry talk about not everybody executes on carrying the right my, right mindset quite as well as others. So talk about that. How do you harness a mindset in a market like this? Um, if you're trying to lead a team of mortgage originators, executives, real estate agents and brokers, give us give us a glimpse.
1: So I'm going to I'm going to frame that up a little bit that that one of a lot of my colleagues like we we sit back and we we watch a lot of of speakers and some of the best in the world speak and Man, it's emotionally an amazing experience. It's beautiful to watch how they talk. And then what we have, we have a, a, a challenge where we sat down afterwards, like, what notes did you take that you can implement? And usually pretty consistently, it's not much. And not saying that they're not smart people. These are brilliant business people and people I can learn a ton from, like so much from and are much far more successful financially than I am. But. In the keynote, there isn't much tangible, actionable things that are going on, which to me goes against my own personal ethos, right? Not a judgment to others. It's my own personal takeaways. And so what my coaches and mentors challenge me to say is, is, how do you do both? And so I, that really comes down to his understanding the why and then the internal decisions that need to be happening. It's a lot of external stuff. Like, for example, we'd be like, you know, all right, the three rules to life. First one, work on yourself every day. And you're like, man, work on myself every day. And in the context of this really, really big story, and I'm like, man, this is amazing. They overcame this. I'm going to work on myself every day. And, and then at the end, when I get home and that emotion is gone, and I'm like, I, I, what am I going to do to work on myself? And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? how d- <laughs> sit-ups right okay Just so sit-ups. let me do sit-ups well, my business didn't change but well, what is my <laughs> what is work on myself hold on and then the phone rings hey what's going on no oh shoot okay I gotta, and that moment's gone so when you ask that question especially if you're a ceo you don't you don't have time for a platitude you need to go what's the thing what can i do and then what's the internal struggle uh that i can that i'm gonna really battle and this, by the way, is, is a lot of the stuff that we tackle in our mastermind group, which is the internal alarm system for values, integration, and alignment for leaders. What's that internal alarm? That mean that thing when no one's watching, no one's around, there's no Instagram, there's no external motivator, there's no workout partner, there's no accountability person saying, what are you doing right there? It's just you and yourself in the mirror. What's that internal alarm? And so for me, when you say as a a CEO, as a leader, it's managing what comes out of my mouth, period. What am I saying? Because what comes out of my mouth, you are, if you're a leader, you are the most watched and the most listened to in your entire organization. Harvard did a crazy study. And we don't need a study to know that, by the way. But it has been studied. The literature supports what I'm saying. You're the most watched. You're the most listened to, which means you set the narrative by what you say and how you say it, meaning we're really excited about what's happening in the housing market right now. And that, if you speak that way, not judging you, I'm just telling you truth and facts that people will not emotionally connect with you. Now, Clayton, I couldn't be more excited about what's happening. Yeah, it's hard, but so what? The best things in my life have come on the back end of something really difficult, so this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to us, and it's going to take people. You know, see, like, see that kind of enthusiasm, and that can only happen when people actually believe it. And so it, it's what's coming out of my mouth in that sense. And if I and I, I ask so many leaders to say, "Hey, so how's the housing market?" It's like oh, we're just, we're just trying to keep our heads above water right now, and man, it's just been hard. I mean, I just think it's just been really hard. And if I'm listening to that, I'm like, okay, so it is hard. Yeah, it has been really hard. And I stopped making phone calls. These phone calls are hard. It's in that moment of decision, do I keep pushing or do I just enable mediocrity? And the leader's job is to push me over that hump, to make two or three, five, ten more calls, to get and communicate something, to listen to podcasts like what we're doing right now and to say, you know what, hold on a second, I need to turn news into, into deals. Well, what does that mean? What's the opportunity within that? What is all there? And so, take the time to re- research and learn. I'm not even in the industry, and I could go and sell real estate right now because I understand how to communicate that stuff. And so, that's the skill. This is a communication skill. This is the tool it comes out. So Renee,
0: I'll, can I can I take some some coaching Please. here? So, like when I think about myself as a leader, I fo- in in t- in tough times or or great times, I, I focus on a, a few areas. So. I I strongly believe in in leading by example. So like I I'll come in on a Saturday morning and and do the content. No, I don't expect my whole team to be doing this, but I I want to show the dedication. Two, uh I I focus heavily on empowering my team to make decisions and be creative and lead their respective part of the organization or or product. So I lead by example and then empower. Now, communication i often i don't communicate i don't I don't like repeat 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 i think that maybe that's a a a leadership week or a communication weakness so um I feel like I've communicated a message once i then I went and go act on that and lead by example and empower the team to go if if you're if you're looking at, at me as a leader how how do I strengthen my leadership skill set with the team i'm leading and and ultimately believe i hold a leadership position in the industry and i need to think about that as well
1: so my first here's my first response and how i approach any sort of consultative moment right like this is i don't give advice unless i understand your goals so like for me there's any advice i would give would be an assumption and this would be a good i think it's a good lesson for anybody to say hold on ask questions first And to understand like, what are Clayton's goals and for, and, but within the context of also understand the person's strengths. And so I'm going to start there and I'm going to ask you a question. One Clayton, I think what makes you different is that you are a a true business professional in an industry that doesn't have much business sense and guidance. It's a very transactional industry. How does this help me get another deal is usually the forefront question. People don't think about, uh, what's the career path here? How do we get people more engaged? How do we build trust and teamwork? Those are long-term cultural questions that usually don't make it into mortgage and real estate conversation, unfortunately, which is also partially why we have turnover, partially why we, we slit our throats in hiring people with commissions as a value proposition instead of a career path or culture or an environment. And we say things like technology, but everybody has the tech, everybody has the pricing, everybody has that stuff. So one is you, you take a true business approach to this. And so one, and I think within that, you also are known to have high levels of integrity. You are, you literally talk to all sides of all parties and all people from all sides of an argument. And you, you're known to, to speak the truth. So you're an advocate of the consumer. You're an advocate of truth. And so those are all things that I think people really admire about you. It's what I admire about you too and so for that within that context what would you say is missing for you in that sense right and just the fact that you're even asking this question publicly and you and i haven't discussed this is also a sign of what i think is is a good leader somebody that's also leading by saying hey coaching happens at all levels
0: so i think what triggers the desire for to improve my own communication skills is like seeing some of the the identifying some of the weaknesses in my own business. So like we built through acquisition, I can tell that it's moderately or, or very hard for some of our team members and myself at times included to tell our story exactly what we do, who we are, how we serve. Um, We're actually working with a a partner right now on getting our brand story tight and our, our brand, both like the headline branding, but also the brand story and the narrative and the, the copy like extremely, extremely tight. And so, I I look at some of like the the feedback loops and like survey data from team and audience and I see like okay like we're we got some holes there. And um, for me, it's very obvious. I know what we're building. I know why we're building. It. I know which direction we're going. But if, I, if other people are perceiving a narrative gap, then that that kind of rolls back to me on a communication side. So that, that's what's signaling my, that's that's why I'm asking the question.
1: Well, I think there's two approaches. One is uh, there's two things that come to mind. If <clears throat> if you're setting up housing wire, you don't have to answer this to maybe be in a potential acquisition of some port then my advice right now might not help meaning how do you grow your personal brand? Because I think if, if in, in personal brand, I think people need to understand has taken on a new meaning and a much bigger meaning than sales and marketing. It is, it is a communications tool. The personal brand is a leadership brand. It's a leadership tool now because our go back 50 years ago, 50 years ago, people, most people died very close to where they worked and they, cl- died very close to where they were, they, where they lived. I mean, they, they didn't leave a certain geographic area. So if I work yeah, somewhere died I, close
0: to where they were born.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they didn't leave. And so if they, if I worked for somebody, I saw my boss, I saw my colleagues, I saw the people that really were the stakeholders of my work and my outcomes daily, usually, especially during the week. And then on the weekends, I'd probably see them at the baseball games at the grocery store at the salon or the, at the barber shop. And I'd see them everywhere. And so there was a There wasn't much of a gap between us, and so I knew the idiosyncrasies, I knew the facial expressions, I knew the gaps in communication, and all of those sort of underlying pieces in in the human relationship start painting a picture, or what we, we would call the narrative. And so if somebody's upset, I know it. Now, advanced technologies, advanced communications, advanced transportation, and people start moving willingly, moving further and further away from those centralized, tight communities, suburbs, travel. And then I go, you know what? No, I know, I know what my, my sales team is doing. I just look at my phone. I say they made twenty four phone calls today. We got two deals in the pipeline. We got, I know what's happening, but they might know, like activity based what's happening, but they don't know the person, and so there's this monster gap between them in saying, okay, how do I then f- fill that right? Because if I don't fill it, and this is this is what I wrote about in Chief Executive, which was the, I think the underlying cause of the Great Resignation was that leaders didn't fill the narrative gap. And so then the people recruiters would come around and then add to that a shift in, in values in, after the pandemic, more meaning and more connection at work, which accelerated by the pandemic. Now I'm pulled away from my connections I am pulled away from meaning. I'm stuck in my house and I'm going, there's got to be more to life. And my leader's not around to help me understand that. My boss, I, I see him on a screen. I can barely see them. I can barely hear them. And all of this gap is sort of starting to increase. And then a recruiter calls and goes, hey, by the way. We really believe in you. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. I said, well, you know, we believe in culture. We believe in all the stuff. And that gap is filled by a recruiter and 76% of people want to leave. And so what the ultimate solution I think right now is that every leader should be focusing on their leadership brand so that when, two great examples are Brian Covey and Alec Hansen. I think they're just excellent examples. First time I met both of them, I thought it was the
0: both of which will be on stage at Housing War Annual. So we'll come, we'll come back to that. Oh, in a few pff, minutes. phenomenal!
1: And both of which, the first time I met them in person, I thought it was the third or fourth time. And and let's play that out. It's funny, but it's powerful. Brian Covey came to our Amplify event, and he and I went to dinner that night. And I'm like, man, it's just it's finally it's good to see you you again. And I'm like, and he's like, Renee, this is our first time meeting. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, maybe it's not. Hold on. And we sat there for half an hour with dinner, trying to figure out where we had met before. And that was the first time we had met.
0: That's such had a, done so much. On- it's such a huge compliment, though. Like you, you made a, a false assumption in your head. Some people could be offended by that. Like, hey, what's this guy talking about? But no, it's a huge compliment huge. because you built a personal connection, probably through Instagram. Like, because he gives a pretty good visible picture into his life, his business, his motivation, his workouts. I think there's even been a TikTok dancer too with the family. The man like lets lets you in. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent.
1: And then we look at now we look at Alec Hansen. I had him on the AmpCon stage. AmpCon stage. This is the chief marketing officer of Lone Depot. And on stage, I'm like, you know, so Alec and I, I mean, you know it's, it's, you know, it's great to see you again. And and I'm just introducing him. And he's like, again, dude, this is our first time meeting. I'm like on stage after I just got done talking about this. I'm like, what? And I'm having this like real moment. It's on, video. I'm like, holy sh like this guys, this is the power of a leadership brand. I swear I have met Alec 10 times know, and, and I think you bring up a really good point that most of us would never want to admit that because it feels offensive. But it is such a compliment that I didn't have any gap. I felt like I knew who he was, and there's a name for this, and I got—I I forget it. But if you watch, if you follow somebody, and you watch them and you listen to them, you start to embody a lot of what they do through just the narrative and what it creates. And like, if you love a character on TV, it research shows you'll actually start to think and hold a value set. Like almost like what would Jesus do? Like you know, what would Axelrod do here right now? You know, if
0: maybe I that. should watch less billions because this could get into tricky. <laughs> that's what over. I just said. Axelrod, right? <laughs> what would Axel yeah. do in this one?
1: But you start to embody <laughs> sort of that thinking, and you know, like the other, like yesterday, in he was doing something. He goes, he was talking about at the funeral, and he's like, you know, and he kind of had this moment of of vulnerability. He's like, you know, typically I don't speak at, go to funerals because, quite frankly, I don't know how to process it. I just like to move through it. And then I'm like, God, that's a really good. Approach to move through difficulty and just to push through. Maybe I'd be a billionaire if I did that. <laughs> you know? I'm like, wait a minute, it's slow yeah. down, it's slow down all that a second. <laughs> but I think that in your case, dude, you you have such a strong ethos of leadership, of integrity, of knowledge, and you're you you're also somebody that will go toe to toe with somebody in the search for truth. That's the leadership we need. And so, if I were to tell you, brother, I would say let's double down on your on your brand, not from a vanity perspective. But from just a, a a communication and a movement of the of the the collective narrative perspective,
0: I appreciate that. Right, I wasn't looking for compliments, but I I'll, I'll 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 dig through your words and help that. They're not a compliment.
1: Truth. You know what they are? It's an obligation now. Because here's the thing: it's a leadership's a privilege and leadership's an obligation. If people believe in you and what you're doing, then a, a good friend of mine, Dan Fleischman, who's just just a brilliant human. I, I met him at,
0: attorney. um, at, at Neil Dinger's event out forward. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Forward. Um, by the way, just shout out to Neil again. He has done such an incredible job of pulling so many good people into one place and allowing access to those people. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. And see the Dan, Dan set me aside and he said, Renee goes in today's world, Cause I was talking about, he said, Renee, he goes, you have all the pieces, you have all the pieces. You got this book, you get this, you got all 30 years, all this stuff. And he goes, the only thing you don't have is fame. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just really not interested in that. Like, I just want to kind of stay down. And he just looks at me and he goes, do you believe you do good work? I'm like, I do. He said, do you believe you change lives? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. The, the transformations are incredible. He goes, then you are being selfish if you're not famous right now. Oof. I'm like, okay, I need to reframe fame. I need to,
0: that's an obligation, yeah that's the obligation right there. Frick.
1: like I got okay. it's not like I was like it's not an ego thing. maybe it's just a, a an eyeballs thing.
0: Renee, can I read a short passage from Amplify your influence? Absolutely. so you you start the book. Um, with a, a narrative titled "Control the Room," and you, you talk about <laughs> an event you're speaking at in, in Dallas, Texas. Do you do you remember which event that was? It was a, a a group of sales and marketing leaders in Dallas, Texas, about 600 people. Do you remember the event? I do. I remember exactly where it was.
1: It was actually the Mortgage Bankers Association event in Utah. I just changed it up just to protect.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So it was actually out in Utah? So that meant 600 people. Um. Actually, I'll back up a little bit. You were given the lunch slot. You were speaking during lunch, so that meant 600 people clanking plates, forks, knives, and <laughs> dozens of amazing staff darting around doing their jobs, oblivious to a speaker trying to deliver a message. Um. So that's that. That's the frame here. You talk about how it's a tough gig. You, you talk about the tough, the right approach, and you going through your own head of how how do I. How do I take control of this room? How do I ensure I have the attention of the audience? How do you meet your obligation to deliver knowledge as a speaker? And um, this will be the test. So, <laughs> Renee, this passage, and I'll, I'll read a little bit more in a second, is what inspired me to reach out to you to speak at Housing Wire Annual in the, the famed, the, the amazing lunch presentation. So, Renee, <laughs> you get to come back to Housing Wire Annual and take control of a room with clanking plates, forks, knives, and dozens of amazing staff walking around. But this will be the test, though, Renee. The folks that listen to this podcast that also attend Housing War Annual, they will be the ones that actually get a few calories in their stomach because this is is the warning. So Renee, in his effort to take control of the room, asked the question, so what do we do? First, we want to ensure that we have – That we present our value in the best possible scenario. For me to do that, I have to ask two things. And this is Renee talking to the audience. First, let's thank our wonderful staff here today for their great work. If you still have a plate, please place it on the tray and take it outside so we can begin. You have one minute or so to do so. And... So that's the that's the warning. Um, I I am not anticipating that our guests at Housing War Annual will have a very long time to eat their uh, their their food at the the Hyatt Lost Pines Resort down in Austin. So eat fast because Renee is going to own the stage. Renee, how did that that six hundred person event, the NBA event? Uh, take plate like how did, how did the talk go after you had you gave people two minutes to suck down their um their sauteed vegetables and uh, and steamed chicken or whatever the heck they were serving at the NBA event <laughs> <laughs>
1: well the, the context to that one um, <clears throat> is and first of all I need to point something out who's the ultimate influencer it's Clayton you know what he did he pulled the old hey I, I left my shoes upstairs Renee you're way faster can you go out and grab it <laughs> You know, you're faster than me. I'm like, yeah. And I run upstairs. Hey, I need a lunch slot. And Renee, you're the best. You wrote about it in your book. Could you do it? I'm like, yeah, I could totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> so touche, man. And kudos yeah. on that one. So the, the back the back story was that I got asked to speak at the event. And I had an Amplify in the same city, ironically. And they, there was no way I could do it. And I said, you know what? Hold on a second. Because I, I like to get creative. I said, is there is there a lunch spot open? And so I'd ask for it. And maybe I go on the tail end of lunch. And they said, we'll give you whatever spot you want. I said, well, maybe if I switch my event location, we'll switch it to your hotel. I'll come down. I just want my students to have free access. They can sit in and watch lunch and get a free lunch. And then I'll, then they can watch something. And I'm thinking I could create the presentation at Amplify. They can watch it delivered over lunch. It'd be a really cool case study. And one of uh, the participants w- was actually in his market. And he's like, oh, shoot, you're speaking? I can buy a speaker spot. I'll buy one and I'll speak as well. And I'll speak right before you. And he's like, yeah, I got a slot before you. I'm like, so you're speaking during, during lunch. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't think you want to do that. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. It'd be good. I got a great story to tell. I'm like, you're going to have 600 plates, you know, (laughs) clanking and nobody gives a crap about you being in there. And he goes, no, 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 it'll be good. I'm like, well, you better be highly distracting, more distracting than the food and the conversations and the. People's rest time and what we call their their uh, discretionary time, uh you because they don't they didn't pay to be there they pay to eat you know and so it's a really tough spot. Anyways, he goes out there he gives us the best he can the story of literally how he almost died over COVID. It's a powerful story, but nobody was listening in the beginning. It was just I'm not saying nobody, but it was just really hard. There was a bunch of tables that were just very rude talking as he's like talking about how he's almost dead and looking in the mirror and and people were just like yeah pass the salt and. It was just, and I'm going, oh, this poor guy. And so at the end, you know, it was supposed to be done eating, but they still had all the food out there. People were still clanking plates. And I, he sat down he's like, I feel like I was thrown out of a moving truck. I'm like, I know it's a tough gig, man. And I, I've done that before with about 1500 people eating and yeah, it was tough. But the, <laughs> so I said, let me show you what I mean by control the room. And that's where I stood up and I said, first and foremost, everybody, wow, what an amazing staff we've got here. Now, they had had about a half hour to eat, maybe a little bit more. And so um, I said, what an amazing staff. And I said the same thing. If, and if, if you're holding on a plate, please place it on the tray and we'll take it right outside the doors. And my whole team, my, my wife looks at me, she's like, what are you doing? And I just smiled. And I, And here's the thing. Yes, it was awkward. For about two minutes. But then after two minutes, I had a dead silent audience and they could hear everything. And that's what they were there for. And so you have to be willing to control the room. I'll give you another example. It's different. We, we I got asked to do a a, a a realtor event in Minnesota. They didn't have, uh, they, I told them, I said, you know, you know, get a ballroom, the whole thing. He, he goes, hey, we got a great space. And uh, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's on a rooftop. I'm like... You're going to go on a rooftop for a keynote, overlooking Lake Minnetonka, which is beautiful, and the sun bearing down for three and a half hours. Yeah, I'm like, no, not going to happen. One, it's 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 not that they don't want to listen. I'm like, why compete with sun, humidity,
0: the lake. And alcohol. And you got to put up some serious speakers to let people hear you in open air. Yes. Like, I any, mean, that is a yes. challenging dynamic to make work well.
1: So we get there and he's like, we got it all handled. Or, you know, he tells, okay, we got it all handled. They close it all off. And I'm like, it's closed off. They go, yeah. I'm like, okay, I get there an hour early. The the The, the tops are open. The sun's beating down. There's no air conditioning. The lake is beautiful. The sun is just blaring. You can't see anything. And I'm looking around and I'm going, okay, I go, you paid $35,000 for this. I'm going to turn into a very different person for about 30 minutes. I'm going to be kind of an a-hole, but not because I'm an a-hole, but because we need to shift this room now so that you get your money's worth today. I go, one thing that's not negotiable is client value. And I don't want to end this with going, yeah, it was super hard and I wasted that money. And he goes, I'll do what you need. I go, okay. I said, I go, where's the manager? Manager, I said, I said, you guys are gonna earn your keep today. Trust me, we'll have a tip for everybody at the end of this. I said, I need all your staff front and center now. And they all outcome, and I said, folks, we have a challenge. You have too beautiful of a place. It is so beautiful that people are gonna wanna look out there instead of wanting to look in here. And so we need to solve for that. Secondly, it's such a beautiful day, but I'm a big dude. And I'm bald. I can't have the sun beating on my head as we do that. And this microphone system isn't there. And I've got four fans blowing on the microphone. So we're gonna have to solve for this. And the first thing we got to solve for is sunlight. They go, Well, we can close the vents. I say, Great. Johnny, whatever his name was, you're on vent control. What are we doing about all these windows? Well, we could raise the the things. I said, Can you drop drapes? They go, we have some in the back. I said, drop them. I want it all closed off i said so now we got this beautiful bar in the middle of this so they're going to be people me in the front a big bar and then people in the back and then i'm going to be looking through wine glasses and 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 cocktails and like alcohol to be able so we need to open up this channel we need to close this part off and we need to rearrange all this and bring all these chairs here get rid of these tables and put just chairs and we just start going through all of this stuff and everybody's going after it and we stopped at the end we look around we're like okay. Now we can play and I'll give you, so that's control. I'll give you one last piece. This was an event that, um, I did a favor for a friend of mine who, uh, won't mention it, but they had sold VIP tickets and they said they're supposed to have 400, 500 people there. Well, about 87 showed up and they were seating for 400. Now that does not look good. And this is an organization that's very important. It's doing something very good. They're just not good at the marketing just yet. And they had a stage and then a vip section that was roped off and then a general seating with 67 people in there and no one bought vip and we're 10 minutes before we start and i looked around and i said he's like "I, sorry man i did the best i could and i'm like okay i go pull your team together lesson one we're recreating the stage he goes what do you mean i said walk with me i said take a picture here. The moment you take a picture and you got scattered 67 people, all you see are empty seats. No one in here in the stage. And I'm already 35 feet away from them. No connection. I might as well be speaking to a wall. And I said, and, and the assets that will live after this will not help you sell your next event. So you you got to still think from the perspective of what are your assets you're creating, which means we need to shut down the outer, all the outer seating of here, it's closed down. And you need to get all your staff to shut that down and move people in. Secondly remove these five tables of VIP, open it up, remove these ropes. This is the new stage on the floor in front of people. And he's like, done, done, done. Everybody went out. We created it, pulled everybody in. Now we had 60 people just jammed. I went to all three videographers. I said, you have a simple job today. You assess every photo to eliminate empty seats. And so you're going to intimate photos, zoomed in, blurred, depth of field, do everything that you can around this stuff. We pull all this together in 10 minutes. And afterwards it was like, okay, now I knew the content, but you know what happened was it made for a great experience because people that were there were intimately connected with me. I could see their facial expressions. I could walk the audience. And to me, I love smaller groups because we can go deep with them. But it, it really is that control the environment before you control people because people are going to act within their environment. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it, I can. I'm tying this back to some of our conversation around leadership and communication. You followed when I was asking about me and my leadership style of communication. You started asking about my objectives and goals, and what I'm seeing through you right now and the guidance that you're giving. This event team at the event to make sure the room looks full and the assets are incredible. You knew your objective. You knew the objective of the event organizer, and you shared that with the people who could make it happen. And without that guidance, without that leadership, without that transparent objective, those people that had the the, the physical power to rearrange the room and take the right photos and do the right design wouldn't have known which direction to charge in. True. And that communication, that clear communication of the objective, is is what made that scenario successful.
1: That's true. I appreciate it. I, it it's funny. Sometimes I, 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 forget that, that, that I do that. And i and I'm starting to think, have I done that for Amcon? <laughs> I'm going, I better <laughs> write, I better write this vision down. Uh, I usually write hey, a vision you, down, but this, I got I think I got to get more detailed.
0: You can give your team this, uh, this interview and let them, Hey, digest how Renee is thinking. Is, go. uh, I'm, really I'm going to do the same thing. So, so, Renee, you're, you're taking the stage at Housing Wire Annual, October 10th through 12th, down at the Hyatt Lost Pines near Austin. This is Housing Wire's event built for the, the leaders of the housing industry. And we're bringing together CEOs and other C-suite executives from across the industry, from mortgage origination. We're uh, like, like close to 50% of the attendees right now, registered attendees, are mortgage banking C-suite. We have leaders from the servicing side, like Baron Silverstein, the president, Newrez. leaders from real estate brokerage like Emery Wooden, who's a C- CMO at Anywhere Brands, um, Sandra Thompson from the FHFA, um, and Logan Modashami, Housing Wire's esteemed lead analyst who uh, who graces your podcast feeds and how the pages of Housing Wire and CNBC uh, every single week. So I-, I couldn't be more pumped with the leaders we're bringing to the stage, but the folks that are going to be in attendance, building networks, communicating doing commerce, all the things that you want to achieve at an event are going to be there down at the Hyatt Lost Pines. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have you, Renee, taking a leadership role and guiding us through lunch and hopefully a, a quick meal and a lot of learning. After
1: that. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I think that, you know, the, the, uh, are you doing the intro?
0: Yes. Yes, sir. I'll be there for you. Okay,
1: perfect. So I think, I think you can do, I think this, just let's, let's wake people up in the intro. And because I think the frame is going to be really simple is that in, in, the the distractions in that room are no different than the distractions in the marketplace and we got to be able to sift through and and communicate through distraction so very few of us have the privilege of not having distractions
0: and housing wire annual uh will be a warm-up of sorts for for you at least uh we have two big events in october and you and i are working together to make sure these two events housing Wire annual october 10th starts on october 10th and AmpCon, your event that you're hosting actually here in our home market of dallas texas on October 26th are very synergistic and we're bringing together leaders and focusing on regulation and origination strategies and servicing and tech. You're bringing together leaders from across the industry with a different objective. So tell us what you're trying to achieve with, with AmpCon and what attendees can, can expect.
1: Well, one, we're, we're super excited about um, being in Dallas. Uh, I think it's such a great place to host events and the Our AmpCon is really was born out of an extension of Amplify. And, you know, the first one, we had 700 people standing room only. We didn't have any celebrity speakers. It was just an idea. It was an idea and a, a, I would say a philosophy and an approach. What Amplify means, which is learning how to tell your story and being better leaders and just the industry's best of the best showed up. And I mean, we literally had people that were vendors of another event saying there I've, we've never seen more players leaders in one room in the audience than at any event and they're literally saying is there any way we can move our stuff in here and it kind of and we didn't sell any sponsorships and so that's great learning on our part second year same thing and we didn't really announce any celebrity speakers no high paid anything speakers even though we had some cool people like bradley and hori gracie and uh, this was Neil Dingras, one of his first big mortgage stages, and I was even. I tell people I said, you know, it was before he wore a hat. You know, he had his sort of, uh, you know, the 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 haircut that he always had before.
0: The OG but, Neil.
1: Yeah, the OG Neil, and so then this year we've got. I, I'm so excited about these speakers. We've got Jefferson Fisher, who, if you don't know, you probably know because you see his content. To give you an idea, Ed Milet. Uh, has about 2,000 posts, just under 2,000 posts, and he's about 2.6 million followers. It's huge. Jefferson Fisher started not that long ago, has 240 posts, and I mean, it's less than a year, 240 days ago, and has 2.5 million and approaching 2.6, blazing speed. And he sits in his car, and he gives you a communication and argument tip every day. He's a trial attorney, one of the most humble dudes. He's also Dallas local, Dallas, or he's Texas native, lives in in Texas. He'll be speaking there. We've got um, Clinton Sparks, who is Grammy nominated, eighty million records sold, eighty million records sold. Works with Jay Z, Lady Gaga, Eminem, uh, Fifty Cent, Ludacris. You name the artist, he's a part of it. And he's, but he's an entrepreneur at heart first. And so he's. We're going to be doing one of the coolest things. Go ahead if you have a question. I tell you, what he I was
0: I was looking him up, and like his his story. It's like a scrappy story. Yeah. So he was bootlegging remixes, and somehow got some of those on like some Boston area radio shows, which led to opportunity and led to opportunity, and the next thing you know, Lady Gaga. Yeah. I mean, obviously not an overnight success, but like it takes scrappy repetition it seems i don't i've never heard clinton speak i'm excited to but it seems like it's going to be a story that um like really energizes you as an entrepreneur or, or salesperson or whatever you choose to dedicate your time
1: and and the fun part is that we're going to take apart a beat that he gave a very famous artist he said i have this and we'll all know who it is i don't want to give it away a beat and then he shows the artist and the artist is, and he was so excited it's just made for him and he's like what else you got wasn't interested at all. And this is like the story of how we present things without context and frame. He presented a beat with no frame and it didn't go anywhere. And so he got upset. This is what makes him relentless. He goes out and he, he calls up so-and-so so and so bigger artist gets an acapella of this, gets an acapella of that, puts the beats together, puts the production together, gets it back to him. And he goes, and here's the video with me in it. And it went to, you know, did great. So he put the whole picture together to communicate the idea and the vision, which is what we as leaders need to do. So it's a great leadership lesson, but it's going to come around musically and in a really exciting fashion. So we've got that. We've got uh, Neil Ford, one of the top 10 most decorated creative directors in the entire world, Sony and Toyota and um, Michelin, uh, like it's just just such a cool human. And uh, These are all highly approachable people. These aren't people that are going to be holier than thou. They're going to be there hanging out. Um, and uh, there's some other with Rachel Lambert, who is the CEO and founder of brain code centers and brain code centers is the largest, largest company in the, across the country uh, that does neurofeedback and brain trainings. It's, uh, so it's fascinating stuff. So we're, you know, adding some of the science into this and application. And I've, and I've got three or four speakers that I'm working on. That'll, that'll be pretty sweet.
0: That's incredible. All right. Renee, October 26th, AmpCon, Dallas, I will be there. Housing Wire Annual, October 10th through 12th, down at the Hyatt Lost Pines. You will be there. I'm excited to bring yes. so much knowledge, expertise, speakers, community, energy, mindset to the housing community in October of this year. Thanks for partnering, Renee. It's always fun.
1: Absolutely, dude. At any time, my friend. I'm looking forward to working more together.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please take a few seconds to rate housing news on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot for the show, and we really do appreciate and listen to your feedback. Also, we're gearing up for Housing Wire Annual in October. Please visit housingwire.com forward slash events for full details about our big annual event in Austin, Texas.